Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Trish Gregory comes with the second installment of this Power Pack series entitled Healthy Love. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. All right, so we're going to pick up right where we left off on last week, talking about healthy love. How many of you got something out of last week? All right. So we know now that healthy love is defined by only one person. And who is that? God, it can only be defined by the creator of such a thing, right? And so we know, we learned some interesting statistics about the state of relationships during these days. We also learned that that, uh, we are the result of our childhood experiences. That has helped us understand and define love for ourselves. But how many of you know that in many cases, that's not healthy? So oftentimes, because of adverse childhood behaviors, we can have a warped sense of what love is, therefore having a warped sense of an expectation of love. And therein does the conflict start to exist. Let me bid you this one other warning that I did not say on last week. There is not a person alive. There is not a human being alive. There is not a dog alive. Dog's best friend that can love you perfectly. There is only one that can love you perfectly. And he has demonstrated that love when he came over 2,000 years ago and died for your sins that we should have taken upon ourselves. There's only one. So therefore, you will never be satisfied with the way someone loves you. It's impossible. They're going to do something to disappoint. They're going to do something to hurt. They're going to do something to confuse. I promise you, I am married to the most perfect man this side of heaven. And he don't get it right all the time. I was just looking at him crazy on yesterday, okay? So, if you were not here on last week, I encourage you to go back and look at last week's message. That'll help you in establishing a foundation for this week. But we're going to pick up right where we left off. Our foundation scripture is 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, 18 through 23 <clears throat> in the Passion Translation. And it reads, Beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about, but a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. We know that the truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action, which will reassure our hearts in his presence. Whatever our hearts make us, whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater. Oh, how he loves us. And much more merciful than our conscience that he knows everything there is to know about us. And guess what? He still loves us. Right? <clears throat> With my delightfully loved friends, when our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face to face with God. And whatever we ask of him, we receive because we keep his commands. And by our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings him pleasure. 
So these are his commands, that we continually place our trust in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we keep loving one another just as he has commanded us. Now let's pick up with the next question. How do we achieve or function in a healthy love? How do we achieve or function in a healthy love? Verse 19 in 1 John chapter 3 tells us, he says, by the truth that is living within you. The truth that lives within us. So there's only one way for you to achieve healthy love, and that is to understand it. And you cannot understand it without grasping it through the word of God. You know, Linked Up Church, Pastor Gregory, our entire staff, we always, the entire team, we're always talking about get the word of God. Get the word of God. Get the word of God. Not just from mere study and remembrance, but this builds a relationship with God. And in that relationship, do you really start embracing and understanding what true love is? And when you get that, then you're more free. We, say, we talk about whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You are not free until you have truly embraced and understand what love is. Now, I wrote here, if you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And the Holy Spirit becomes tangible by way of his word. He is never separated from the word which is alive in the truth within you. The salvation experience does not stop your flesh from doing what is wrong. Listen to me again. Oftentimes people think because I am born again, it's supposed to magically stop me from doing wrong. As long as you are in this body, your flesh won't what it wants. Your flesh wants what it wants. Your salvation experience does not void out the temptations of the flesh, which is why he says in the word over and over and over to flee, avoid, denigrate sin, right? But it's up to you. But however, the Holy Spirit and God's word vitalizes or brings alive your spirit man to do what is right. Your spirit, so though the, your salvation experience does not stop you from your flesh from wanting to do wrong, when you feed your spirit man, it vitalizes you to do what is right. What you feed is what gets stronger. What you feed is what gets stronger. Type that in. What I feed gets stronger. So if you are feeding the flesh, and for some of this, it just starts with our mere music. Oh, I done stepped on some toes and I'm only four, eight minutes into the message. Praise the Lord. For some of us, it just starts with what we listen to, our, 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 the music. For some of us, it's with the shows we watch. For some of us, it's the friends we entertain. There are going to be millions of people all across now the globe watching the Super Bowl tonight. A lot of us can't wait to see the halftime show. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of us can't wait to see the glimpses of the other artists that's, that might be there. Some of us are sincerely cheering for one of those teams that's not the Lions. 
I'm hating. I'm hating. Yes. Pray for me. And they will be all, whatever side they're on, they're going to be all on one accord, right? And they're going to be feeding a carnality. Because it's going to be over with around midnight tonight. And you still got to get up in the morning to go to work. Some of us would have eaten too many wings, too much pizza. And some of us who haven't gotten a revelation yet might have too much to drink. Right? We're feeding carnality. We're hanging out, perhaps hanging out with a group of people that do not feed our spirit man. So for some of us, we really need to be insulated in these infant stages so that we can develop and grow and feed the spirit man and not the flesh. Now, I will will continue to write on here. It's up to you, your choice, to do what's right or wrong. No one is making you. There is no I can't help it or it's too hard. The heart for truth and to do what is right is alive within you if you are born again. Now one must empower it, feed it more truth so that that truth can have more power than our flesh. The word empowers us to deepen and strengthen the ability to do what is right because within that truth we further realize how much God loves us and we demonstrate his love. And so when we demonstrate his love by way of knowing and understand how much he loves us by way of his word, this truth that is alive within us, then truly we can say that we are more than conquerors. Truly we can say that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. It's not about what we are doing. It's because of a confidence that we have in an almighty God and the power of his truth within us that repels evil to overcome us. Now, let's talk about the dating experience. For those of you that are dating or want to date, right? You oftentimes, how many of you, I can speak back to plus over 30 years ago. We, my husband and I were just talking. We've been together for over 30, almost 31 years. That's like bananas. I was like, dude, you old. <laughs> but praise God. But before then, when I was dating, I met people that I knew once I met them, you ain't the one. You are not the one, (laughs) like for real. But then in my want to be loved and try to make somebody love me and and make somebody do me the way I want to be loved or treated, I would try to create in them something. So I would compromise who I was thinking that they would relinquish parts of who they were so that I can ultimately get what I want. That's game. But guess what? Only to realize they're playing the same game with me. So those of you that are single and or in the dating process know this. That you have to know and, and have your mind renewed in the reality of who you are in Christ and who he created you to be. And when you do those things, 
then can you genuinely love out of the well of who you are accoupled by his word so that you can now identify the true love that's supposed to be given to you not because you're making something happen because that other person wants it to happen those of you that are married you know it's oftentimes it's easy to become monotonous and become dull in marriage it is you've been married a minute some of y'all like I'm I'm bored now and we only been married five years It's easy to become bored in marriage if you did not build your marriage upon a foundation of God's love and friendship. The way that you attracted them is the way that you got to keep them. And if the way that you attracted them can't keep them, then it was temporary. But God's love, God's word and his love is alive and renewed all the time. So after a while, you know, ladies, I'm just going to say it. Ooh, girl, what, what you doing? What you back up? I'm going to say it. I'm free. How you attract some, a guy is what he's coming after. So if you're attracting him, with the B&Bs, with the booty and boobs. <laughs> then don't be upset if that's all that he's after. And then the next set of B&Bs come along and then he's chasing that too. Guys, if, if what attracted you to her was what she can do for you, then when the time comes when she needs you to do something for her, it doesn't equal she doesn't need you or love you anymore. It just equals that the source of that attraction might have been corrupt. We love because we want to. You know, all, my husband joke around because he knows the answer. I told him the answer before we got married. Why do you love me? And I would dare not say because of what you do, because you do this, because you do that. I love you because I want to. I love you because I want to. Because there are some days where you just, your flesh just don't want to. But what's alive in me is that my want to is better than my don't want to. And the same goes for him. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't my prettiest coming out of surgery. Right? I wasn't my prettiest when he's changing my bedpan. I wasn't my prettiest when giving birth to my child almost killed me. Right? But he was there because he loved me because he wanted to love me. Love is a choice. It's not something you fall into. I fell out of love as if love was an accident. Because when you fall, you hurt yourself, don't you? So inevitably, if you fall in and out of love, you are bound to hurt yourself. 
So Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the New Living Translation, how do we get this word? You have to renew your mind. One of my favorite scriptures, but the New Living says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You have over 100 billion neurons in your brain that die and grow minute by minute by minute. And those neurons help you to retain or let go of different behaviors and thinkings. So you are able, when God says in Joshua 1, 8, thou shalt meditate, the word, of, the word of God shall not leave your mouth, but thou shalt meditate on it day and night. When he tells us over and over to meditate on his word, to meditate on his word, to think upon his word, that his light is tr his word is true, it's a path, it's a light in our path, and, and it's a lamp to our feet, and he tells us all these things, it's because the more you are meditating that word, and the more you are embracing it as truth, the more you are reframing the way you think. And when you are reframing the way you think, eventually the way you think will show up in your behavior. And that behavior will start transforming into something that is permanent, which will ultimately get you different results. If you find yourself getting the same issues, the same drama, the same problems over and over again, it's because you're that monkey in the cage that's trying to get the banana, but you keep trying to pull the banana out through the cage instead of thinking, I got to turn my hand. You all remember that experiment? So you will never, as Einstein says, get a different result by doing the same thing. It won't happen. You must change the way you think. And it's one thing to just make a different decision. You know, um, whenever I go to the store, if I go shopping, I tend to just gravitate to the colors black and white, sometimes navy blue. I just do. I just gravitate to black, white, and navy blue. I don't know why. It's just me, in me, right? And I have to make a decision when I'm at the store. I want some color. I want some pink. I have to consciously make that decision. But until I embrace that I want color, that I am colorful, that I love the entire rainbow of colors, I will keep going back to my default. So a different choice is, does not equal a different behavior. So let me, so talking about married people. Now, I'm going to ask the, the, the walkers to come on up here real quick. Come on up here. I, I, asked, I asked Mrs. Walker, but I didn't ask Mr. Walker, so just pray I don't get in trouble with Johnny Walker, Reverend Johnny Walker. Now, I asked her because I wanted to get her permission to share this story. Now, how many of you just love the walkers? I love me some Johnny and Diane Walker. Right? I do. Yes. I mean, the greatest dream team leader and the greatest, greatest connection minister we got. Well, I mean, I mean, ever. But if you know a little bit about their story, they've shared it, but I don't know if they've shared it in mass. 
But they were married and then divorced for how many years? Two and a half years. Now, we're not going to get into their business as to why they got a divorce. <laughs> she said, I can. Okay, what, what, you share. Why did y'all get divorced? Talk close to me. Tell me, but talk loud. Divorce because both of us was just very, very stupid and did not know the Lord. <laughs> she said, Very, very stupid, didn't know the Lord, prideful, and wanted their way. Now, this was before they knew the Lord, right? So, Minister Johnny, I'll start with you because we know everything rises and falls on leadership, and you are a strong willed man. Were you able? What made you say, that's my wife, and I'm going back to get her? Because we know you had to go get her because she wasn't going to come back to you. <laughs> she more strong-willed than he is. <laughs> we know you had to go get her. I did. So even though we were divorced, we were really never out of each other's life. And it, it, it's really kind of silly how it all happened. When we went before the judge... She needed a ride, so I took her to the courthouse. <laughs> you know, that was wrong from the beginning, but anyway. <laughs> so then when we got divorced, we drove right back to the house. <laughs> and at some point, I couldn't afford, she decided to move out. So I helped move across the street. <laughs> so we were really never out of each other's life. Uh, but then I was relocated from Detroit to California. And um, I quickly realized that it was difficult for me to live without her. And I begged her literally on my knees to take me back. So, so. That's a, that's a man that know what he want, isn't it? Were you, did you, now we're talking about how we think and how we behave. Could you get her back doing the same things you did before? No way. Could you be back with him doing the same things you did before? No way. Mm -mm. We had to change completely because we were crazy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the way you think and the way you behave is not some magic pill. You don't read one scripture and repeat it all day long and think that's just going to all of a sudden change. Which is why we say you have to be in relationship with someone. You have to be in relationship with God and allow him to transform you. And that oftentimes, if you're, so many of us are a people that do not trust. So if you couldn't trust the people you do see, what makes you think all of a sudden you are going to completely trust God? Despite your best intentions, and your heartfelt confessions, you have to work at trusting God. You have to work at trusting him. 
and the more of his word that you have within you, and the more you allow that to not just be a memory verse, but to sink within your behavior, then you learn to just let go a little bit of that distrust, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more of that distrust. And you learn to trust him a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And as you begin to trust him a little bit more, then what people do to you don't, is no longer a factor. Because you're, you, you've learned to trust him. And when you learn to trust him, then you start understanding that people are going to be people. We are a selfish group of creation. Not that you made a mistake, God, but, we, but the enemy came in and wreaked some havoc. And not because your love didn't have the power to resist him, our carnality gave in to him. So, James chapter 2, verse 24 in the Amplified. Whew. I don't know if you're reading and saying at the same time. That's when your brain moves faster than your mouth. It says here, you see that a man is justified or pronounced righteous before God through what he does and not alone through faith, through works of obedience as well as by what he believes. So you are made righteous not just by what you say by your faith, but your faith means nothing until you start doing. James, Paul, they all talked about faith without works being dead. Show me your faith. Show me your work. What does he say? Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. It's nothing for someone to say, I believe something, but you really don't know what you believe until you have to act. You don't know what you're made of until the pressure comes. Psalms 119, one, uh, 100, Psalms 104 through 105 in the New Living, it says, Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light from my path. God's word will illuminate your mind to change the way you think and behave if you allow it. I cannot say it enough. One cannot do better unless they know better and embrace better. And one cannot know and embrace better unless exposure to what is better is given access to their thinking and their behaving. You have to want better. Now, let's talk about an addict. I told you I was going to take my time with this. The addict didn't start out compulsively addicted, compulsively needing whatever it is that they're addicted to. Whether it's gambling, pornography, drugs, alcohol, food, they didn't start out saying, I need this. They started taking this whatever, and it became a habit. And after a while, that habit became a behavior. And that behavior started being automatic. It was a new default that was set. If you ever had alcohol, alcohol is nasty. It tastes nasty when you first, if you never tasted alcohol, you tasted it. It's, if you never smoked and you, you taste a cigarette, it is nasty. But you, for whatever reason, one would keep doing it until it becomes acceptable. And their body now craves it. 
Same thing with the Word of God. If you allow yourself to be addicted to the Word of God, people say, oh, I don't understand it or it's boring. No one told you about that with, you know, the sex addiction? See, you had to fight against what was carnally at first or sensory repelling to you. You had to fight against that and continue to incorporate it until it became a habit and a behavior. The word of God, for some people, they say it's boring. I don't understand it. There are so many translations to make it easy to read. But when you're doing it to try God, to see if this works, then you will not get what you think it's supposed to get. Because he's one of relationship. He's one, he says, if then. He's a very much if then God. He's going to forever love you. His love is unconditional. But the promises? Maybe not. Right? So now, if we t take on his word like an addict, after a while, it becomes a habit. And then after a while, that habit, you know, people have church habits. How many know what I mean by church habits? You out in the street and someone's like, da da da, they say something that's great news. Amen. <laughs> How you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored <laughs> and empowered to prosper. And they share something with you. Well, praise the Lord. Those might be church habits, but not necessarily behaviors of righteousness. And we got to be careful to discern the two. I love what Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 23 in the Proverbs, in the Passion Translation says, and this is coming from, this is not in your notes. It says, listen carefully, my dear child. Let me give you a foundation as to why I even included this and it's not in your notes. I asked a young lady who was really dealing with rejection issues. And I told her that I, we, we need to start at base one. And that's you learning, to, to learning the love of God, but also learning how to love yourself. And I asked her to go home and, and for on your own and find scriptures that will give you a firm foundation in learning how to receive God love and lo learn to loving yourself. And she came back and she shared this scripture with me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to use you as an example. Now, I'm not going to share her name or anything like that, but it blessed me that the Holy Spirit, even in her ignorance, would lead her here in this translation. So let me read it. I'm talking about a woman that was dealing with rejection, a woman that um, has experienced a lot of hurt, had been bullied tremendously, a woman that's really trying to be delivered from addiction, a woman that's really dealing with redefining who she is. And this is what she came back to me with, and I thought it was so appropriate. Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So observe all. Guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, 
for from there flows the wellspring of life. So I wrote here, the state of your today is the state of your heart and what you've harbored and accepted as your truth and reality, even though God's word, Jesus, Holy Spirit has already told you it was a lie. One may still resist it because they've made up excuses as to why their situation is the exception, so special or more difficult than anyone can realize. But when we make the problem more significant than God's solution, that's what, because that's what we feed, that's where we live. So we all have had experiences that seem so significant, so isolated, so special to who we are in our situation that we want to make, make it seem as if it's great. And I'm never minimizing where someone might be on their journey towards healing and recovery or whatever the case may be. But what I am going to state is that it is not more significant than the power of God, his word and his love to heal, deliver and make you free. I said it before, I'll say it again. What you feed is what is stronger. So if we feed the problem, if we feed the fact that I was that one might have been molested or raped as a child. If we feed the fact, and that's for men and women, come to find out, scientists are saying, researchers, social researchers are saying that men, in many cases, have been molested starting at 12, 13 years old, but, but, but was made to feel like that's just part of being a man. And the molestation always didn't happen with another man. It was oftentimes a woman, a girl. So be careful when those teenagers are calling that little five, six, seven, ten-year-old my little boyfriend. So when we make our problem, our history, that big and that great, and we use it as an excuse as to where we are right now, we are already acknowledging that I'm in a situation that I've chosen to be in. Because I'm refusing, not because we don't want to be healed, but because that trauma is so alive in us that I have neglected, let me say that, neglected feeding what can heal me. And because I've neglected feeding what can heal me and what has traumatized me is so much, so still alive within me, that's where I continually default to. Whether it's the addiction to cover it up, whether it's the behaviors, whatever it is, the lashing out, whatever it is, that's what I default to because I have neglected and not fed what heals me. Again, I'll quote my husband, he's often said, Childhood trauma creates adult drama. First Peter chapter five, verse six, it says in the Amplified, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. Most times, the most challenging thing to do is, I said this last week, is to get people to accept responsibility. But oftentimes, once we have this level of success, 
Because how many of you know overachieving can be an addictive behavior to cover up something too? Oftentimes, our pride won't allow us to admit that I have a malfunction. Especially when we become successful. I am right now surrounded by people in this room, and those of you virtually online, that might be among the most successful people in their family. People often call you for money. People often call you for prayer. People often call you to vet their problems. How do I know? Most of you are saved. There's a light within you. I don't care how dim that light is, it's light. And it always shines out darkness. So therefore, you're a go-to in many of people's lives. That's okay. But don't allow success to create within you a God complex that is not God. You are not everyone's answer, though you may have the answer. I love the way Joseph put it when the king came to him about his dreams and the people told him, his servants said, there's this dude that was in prison that knew how to interpret dreams. You need to get with him because, you know, he, he, can, he can help you out. And so uh, king, the king uh, pulls up on Joseph in prison and he says to him, you know, I hear you interpret dreams. And what was Joseph's response? He says, I do nothing. But tell me the dream and maybe God will give me the interpretation for you. So humble, humility will help you to embrace God's word and recreate a truth within you. In spite of your success, but also in spite of your failures. The next one, number two, how else do we achieve and function in God's love? Verse 21 says, my delightfully loved friends. That's an identification card. Right here, John is identifying who he's talking about or talking to. He says, my delightfully loved friends, knowing and living in the love of God. Minister Bernard set it up so perfectly. I was like, doggone, I, I was about to rewrite my whole message right there when he was talking about, I wasn't here for prayer yesterday morning and nine o'clock in the morning here, six o'clock in the morning in California and I was still asleep. So I didn't get prayer on yesterday morning so I didn't know what it was. So when he shared where he, was, uh, where he ministered from, first Colossians, I mean, first Colossians, Lord, girl, get your mind right and your tongue right. Colossians chapter three, starting at verse 12, I was like, oh, oh. That's good. But nevertheless, I, I, I stay here. John 10, 11, a New Living Translation says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. Jesus has already demonstrated to us over 2,000 years ago his love. His love. I don't care who didn't love you right, who did you wrong, who hurt you. Jesus demonstrated his love by dying for you and paying your debt. And it's so hard to encompass because we are living in our today. How many of you have ever been to England? 
and did the castle tours. If you've ever gone to England and did those castle tours, they took you into some of the dungeons of where they tortured people. And they would torture and punish people on no other reason but because they were poor. A subclass. And the degree of inhumane treatment was horrific, maniacal, evil. So the state of man, even 2,000 plus years ago, was, I mean, just demonic. Because they took pleasure in watching that. I can't even sit and watch a football. I watched a football game one time and dude's leg just. Some of y'all getting squeamish right now. Don't throw up. One of the guy's legs just broke and turned. The foot was in the wrong direction. And I'm squeamish just looking at that and had to get up. And then they blurred it out in the reruns. But just think, back then they took pleasure. Just think, during the 1800s, they took pleasure in watching a man hang. We're Black History Month. Just, just 100 years ago, they, not even 100 years ago, just say 80 years ago, they took pleasure in watching and lynching people. So think about the demented state and where we could be in our minds and how evil we can become if the environment was conducive to that. But then comes Jesus to reset a moral thermometer and to give us his word, which empowers us not to fear anymore. And he pays this debt of sin that removes the fear of damnation from us. I'll prove a point real quickly. I'm talking about embracing the love of God, knowing and being steeped in him loving you. And just like a good parent, a good parent, a baby has to solely depend on that parent for everything. How much better is our heavenly father in our spiritual infancy to supply us and provide us and to love us when we need him the most? He will never do for us what we can do on our own. Because that's maturity, right? I learned that I'm going I'm to wrap up here, but I learned, some of you were around in 2020, 2021, I learned and was diagnosed with this cancer called Chordoma. And when I was, got the diagnosis, they told me that it was so rare that only one hospital in the entire state of Georgia and only two, three hospitals in the entire southeast region can treat it. And I, and, they, and I wanted to know, that what, 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 was, what did, did I eat something? Is it hormonal? Is it hereditary? What is, what is this? And you know, disease is not hereditary. But you can have a predisposition. I won't even get into that, but you can have a predisposition. But if you just adjust your lifestyle, you can be delivered from what mom and daddy did. But anyway, I learned that Chordoma was something that starts in, as an embryo. Do I remember my embryonic stage? No. Do I remember the delivery coming down the birth canal? No. Do I remember nursing 
from my mom? No. Do I remember learning how to walk? No. But did they happen? Did sin happen at my embryonic stage? Disease happened at my embryonic stage. And even though I don't remember it, it doesn't mean that it did not happen. Your spirit man, millions of years, thousands of years ago, was flawless, was perfect. I believe that when God created man, when he created spirit, he created us all in one bank because he just don't know how to stop. If it's a good thing, he just created us in one bank. But it took the process of time for our bodies to come about. I truly believe that, right? Can I prove it? No. So you're subject to your own opinion. I just believe that. So, but what is true is that our spirit man was created to be perfect. And when sin entered, it corrupted and perverted our sense of perfection. So therefore, we're born into a state of sin. Do we remember or do we, are we cognizant of that spiritual state? No. Does it mean it didn't happen? No. But we know over the course of our lives that sin is very much alive, right? Do we know what happens when we die by fact? No. There's scientific theory. There's a whole bunch of people that had dreams, but we cannot tangibly, factually prove this, right? But by faith and because of what people saw over 2,000 years ago in this man named Jesus and the living witness of that testimony, we saw through him that there is life beyond the grave. Were we there to see it? No. But does it mean it doesn't exist? No. So we by faith know that. I would rather believe and get to heaven and see it than to not believe and get the he- and die and then miss it. So what am I saying? Jesus, God has already demonstrated to you through his mercy and his grace that he loves you, that he has provided for you, that he has, he has given you all the love, all the supply of prosperity that you need, all the healing that you need. All he says you have to do is believe that he is the son of God and that he was risen, he paid the debt for our sin, that he was risen from the grave and that we can become born again. And when we become born again, that means new life. And that new life promises us by default spiritually the gift of healing, eternity, righteousness, justification, grace, prosperity. Not just financial prosperity, that's the least of all prosperity, but in that prosperity is peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. Right? And so though you may feel defeated, you may feel knocked down, you are not defeated. I love what he says here. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39, in, in the CV uh, version, common English version, he says, I am sure that nothing can separate us from God's love, not life or death, 
not angels or spirits, not the present or the future, and not powers above or powers below. Nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing and no one can separate us from God's love. You can even go and act a fool. He still loves you. He's still giving you more than you deserve. You could, I know people in prison for horrendous crimes. But now it's not till they get in prison that they realize how much God loves them. I want that so bad. I wish I could just transfer what little revelation I have of that into you. I want you to get that so bad that you have a heavenly father that loves you. Do you know what it takes for you to just get up out of your bed? Just to put two feet on the ground. I don't care if you stood up or if you had to transfer onto a wheelchair. The fact that you are alive and able to make an impact. One of the most powerful speakers that I know is this man named Nick Vujacic. He has no arms. He has no legs. He is the child of missionaries. If anyone in this day and age can say, why did this happen? Woe is us. We serve the Lord. We've done good. It would be his parents. But something in them, not something, someone in them, Holy Spirit, raised this boy to be a mighty man of God. With no arms and no legs. In fact, he teases himself and says he just has a flipper. To minister to millions. Has the, has the audacity and the boldness to minister healing. Because he has a revelation that healing is not this. Healing is this. So even if you hadn't received the healing that you're believing God for, this, he can heal this so much that in spite of this, the flesh, he can still use you to do great and mighty exploits in his name. I'm going to end there for sake of time. Did you all get anything out of that? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just magnify you. We glorify you and we say thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for all of your gifts. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A million tongues could not express our gratitude, our appreciation, our thankfulness for who you are in us and who we are in you. It is in you that we live and move and have our being. It is in you that we're able to prosper and have life more abundantly. It is in you that we're able to go forth and declare the mighty works of the Lord. Thank you. So, Father, I pray that you've awakened spirits in this room and online. 
to the reality of your love and that they learn to function in that love in greater and mightier ways. May their confidence be in you and not in themselves alone because we know that in man we can falter, but in you we can never fail. So I thank you, Father, for the manifestation of these truths inside the lives of your sons and your daughters on this day. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God, we are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations, we are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000 thanks again for listening have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you